Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. If you want to grow, continue to exercise your faith. Continue to step out and believe God for things that are beyond your own ability. God, I'm, 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 I know you want more. I'm, I'm going I'm to just trust you for more. I'm going to walk deeper with you. I'm going to seek you in a greater way. You'll keep growing. God will keep this tension in your life that stretches you to where you grow. Is it comfortable? No, but you'll grow. And I'd rather be uncomfortable and grow than to be comfortable and look back and just see like, man, I ain't going nowhere. Do you ever feel stuck? You may be comfortable, but you just feel like you should be doing more. Do you want to have a greater impact on the people around you or be a greater influence in the name of Christ? Maybe you want to grow in your knowledge of God and the Bible, but where do you start? In today's message, Pastor Bill challenges you to exercise your faith and to step out and believe God will give you things you can't get with your own ability. To grow, you have to be okay with being uncomfortable. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Righteous Judgment of God. If you guys have your Bibles, we are starting a new book. We finished the book of 1 Thessalonians. So today we're going to begin the book of 2 Thessalonians. So if you guys want to open up your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians, all right, let's pray to ask the Lord to go before us. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the provision of this place that we can meet. And God, we thank you that you've given us your word and you desire, you being God, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, God, you desire to speak to us. So God, I pray in these next minutes that you would help us. Fill us with your spirit. Give us an appetite for spiritual things. Give us minds that are ready to receive that which you want to share with us. And God, I pray you would anoint me to speak your word in truth and in clarity and in power that we might hear from you what you have for us today. Have your way in this time, God. We give you our undivided attention, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. All right. Well, we're going to cover all of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 12 verses. I titled the message today, The Righteous Judgment of God. And so we're going to learn a little bit in this chapter about the righteous judgment of God and who God's judgment falls on and, and who, do, who it doesn't fall on. I think most of us already kind of can guess that, but we'll see as we get into it. Paul had already written one letter to the Thessalonians. So let me give a little bit of the history and we'll jump right in. So you guys have been with us through 1 Thessalonians. You guys know that Paul went there and he planted a church. How long was Paul there planting that church? Three, y'all, that's, that's my guy. Sorry, three weeks. Only three weeks. Three Sabbath days there, teaching them, ministering to them, pouring into them. And then he was gone. And then Paul got word of how they were doing. Were they doing good or were they doing bad? They were doing good. Paul got wind back. I only been with them for three weeks. And when he heard about how they were doing, he was encouraged. He said, man, you guys are, I'm hearing good things about your faith and your love for the Lord and your love for each other. And he was encouraged. And so in 1 Thessalonians, he encouraged them about that. There seemed like there were some issues of, of, of sin that Paul addressed. And there were some questions about end times that were addressed in that first letter. And so Paul sent the first letter and we, this is what we are missing, right? There was some kind of communication back to Paul. We don't have that communication, but it pushed Paul or it caused him to write a second letter. And that's where we're going to begin today. So with that, everybody look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father. 
and the Lord Jesus Christ. So a couple things, right? The, the letter is written from Paul, but he's accompanied by uh, Silvanus, who is also known as Silas, and by Timothy. And I would just point out to you guys, this is my meditations I was reading over this. Who we run with says a lot about who we are. Who we run with. Who you run with, who your friends are, who you hang out with, who you run with says something about you. And so everybody just take a moment to think about who do you run with? Because who you run with does say something about you. If I run with a bunch of drug dealers, what does that say about me? I'm either smoking it or selling it. I'm doing something, right? Some reason I'm drawn that all my friends are, are, are doing that, right? If, uh, if, 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 uh, if you're a married woman, do you want your husband hanging out with a bunch of players? Oh, that was weak. But I, I know the note would be stronger than that, but okay. Yeah, you don't, right? Because you, you, who you hang out with says something about who you are. So Paul is hanging out with some solid dudes. Silas, a uh, little bit of history on him. Silas traveled with Paul on the second missionary journey. Uh, when Paul was in prison with Silas, what did they do in the prison? They sang, and God delivered them. It was a supernatural thing. It was in the Philippian jail in Acts 16. And so um, Paul and Silas were together there. When Paul first came to Thessalonica, Silas was with him there. And um, so the church there knew him as well. And he collaborated with Paul in the first letter. So that was Silas or Silvanus. You know, they, they have some history together. Um, and it, it's right that Paul would be running with a guy like him, Timothy. Um, we know Timothy was also picked up by Paul. And uh, he was raised by, you know, he had a Greek dad who we presume was not a believer. Uh, but he had a, a grandmother and a mother who were Christian, who were believers, who raised him up in the word of God and in the faith since he was a young guy. And what a blessing that this young guy, without a male, without a Christian man figure, would get picked up on by the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul said, hey, I'm, I'm a pour into this young guy. And he poured into Timothy. And Timothy became a very trusted companion of Paul. And Paul's letters up to Timothy, he says, I have nobody else like him. There's nobody else I trust more like Timothy. If I can't be there, the person that bears my heart understands what I would want done, I would send Timothy. He has my heart. Um, they had a very special relationship, so Timothy was also with Paul here. And so uh, I just was noting that, that uh, looking at who Paul hangs out with. You never see Paul hanging out with some non-believers, some losers, some guys that are going the wrong way. Paul is always hanging out with guys that are in the ministry. And so I would just encourage you guys that have a heart to serve the Lord. Uh, maybe, maybe there are people here that are like, man, I, I keep trying to get going in the Lord and I'm, I keep getting pulled back. Maybe, maybe, just maybe. I believe this is a word for somebody. Somebody's trying to get going with the Lord and you got some old friends that won't let you get out. And you got to just break free and make some new friends. You got to tell your old friends, I love you guys. I'm going to love you at a distance. You got to make some new friends. If you want to serve God, make you some friends that are serving God. If you want to walk with God, make you some friends that are also walking with God. If this applies to you, write these two verses down. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Paul said, these things that I'm sharing with you, sharing with other faithful men who will be able to share with others also. And then write down 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, where Paul told young Timothy, flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart. He said, man, flee that and find you some friends that are seeking God in a pure heart and run with those guys. So again, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God, our father. I saw something a little different. In Paul's letter to first Thessalonians, he said to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the father. 
And then when I got to 2 Thessalonians, it's a small thing, but he says to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father. And I, I just, I just, it just was a little more personal. There, there's God the Father, but now Paul says, hey, God our Father, we're in this together. We're family. And it's one of the sweet things about being a believer is that we become family with other believers. Amen? As we gather here today, many of us have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the grave, and there's no way to be saved through him. And we are family. This is the family of God. These are the people I'm going to be. You guys are the people I'm going to be with for all eternity. So we better be getting along now. Amen? You better be my friend. We, we got to be friends now because we're going to be together for a long time. So Paul says, and God, our Father, uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, Paul's, uh, it's kind of common greeting for Paul. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul always loves to, to extend the grace and the peace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace to you. Uh, the, the cherish of God, the unmerited, undeserved favor of God upon you. And peace from God our Father. Uh, I think what our world is looking for so desperately, people want peace. There's so much turmoil and people are so agitated and upset about things and they need peace. And, but you can't have the peace of God until you're walking and recipient of the grace of God. Those things come together. And so Paul says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to note this, that always Paul, when he offers the grace and peace, it's always coming from a source. It's not grace and peace because the bank account is fat. It's not grace and peace because you got what you was really hoping for. Grace and peace because you got the job you wanted. It's grace and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And you won't know grace or peace unless you seek it through God our Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so Paul opens with that greeting, and now we begin in verse 3. Paul says, we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because of your faith, because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abound towards each other. So in verse three, Paul says, we are bound to give thanks for you. And he tells us why he, why is he so thankful for this church? Um, and we should listen to this because we want to be this kind of church too. If, if Paul could give thanks for believers back then for being a certain kind of way, then we want to be that kind of way here and now. So the first thing he gives thanks for he says, because your faith grows exceedingly. This is an emphatic statement. He says, you guys aren't growing a little bit. You guys aren't just getting by little by little by little by. You guys, your faith is growing exceedingly. And so the oh, earlier, the, or actually last year, my, my son and my daughter, y'all know we, we breed dogs. I breed big dogs, uh, big mastiffs, cane corsos. So my son and my daughter, you know, were, were each deciding they want to breed. And so they picked the breed that they want to breed. My daughter got a little Frenchy. My son got a little English bulldog. And when we first got them, they're about the same size. They were cute little bitty things, the English bulldog and the French bulldog. And if you took a picture of them together, they were, they were pretty close in size. But in a short amount of time, the English bulldog, um, that dog is a, it's a, it's a gluttonous dog. If I ever had a, a gluttonous dog, it is, it's about the size of a, a, a decent-sized pig right now. It's just months old. But it's humongous. It snorts. It's like it, 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 it just waddles. It waddles in the room. It can't. <laughs> it sounds like that. It just, you know, it eats and eats and eats. So it grew exceedingly. It's emphatic. It's so much bigger than the other dogs. It's, it's comical. And when Paul says about the believers here that because your faith grows, it's, it's that idea that their faith was just, it was growing. It was, it, was, it was amazing to him how they were growing in the Lord and he could see it. 
And so let me encourage you guys. We all want to be growing in our faith. You don't want to ever be stagnant in your faith. And this is how you grow in your faith. You keep being stretched. How do you become stagnant and and compromised and complacent in your walk with the God with God? Just stop doing something. Just sit still. Just just kind of relax for a little while and you'll find that man, I'm not I'm not growing. If you want to grow, continue to exercise your faith. Continue to step out and believe God for things that are beyond your own ability. God, I'm I'm, I'm, I know you want more. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just trust you for more. I'm going to walk deeper with you. I'm going to seek you in a greater way. You'll keep growing. God will keep this tension in your life that stretches you to where you grow. Is it comfortable? No, but you'll grow. And I'd rather be uncomfortable and grow than to be comfortable and look back and just see like, man, I ain't going nowhere. Nothing's getting any better. And so Paul thanks God for them because their faith was growing exceedingly. Then he says this in verse 3 also, that the love of every one of you abound towards each other. This church, they loved each other. This was not some messy church. They weren't, they weren't over there talking smack about it. They said, man, you guys, your love, all of you guys, everybody in there, he said, you guys, your love for each other abounds. He said, man, it's so cool. I'm so, I give thanks to God for that. And again, I would encourage you. I can only be responsible for, I'm, I'm like one member of the body of Christ. Each one of you is one member. We can only be accountable and responsible for ourselves. So let's each make sure that we're a loving member of the body of Christ. Amen. Make sure that when people encounter you, they've encountered a brother or sister that was loving, that you loved people, that you love them like God loves you. And here's the thing with the body of Christ, like family. How many of you guys got people in your family that are not your favorite people in your family? But they're there, right? They might be a brother, a sister, an uncle, a cousin. They're there. That's family. You, you can't get rid of them. You can't, you can't unfamily them. That, that just is what it is. So, too, the family of God. We're, we, we got some weirdos in this thing, you know? God saves some of everybody. And so we got to get good at loving different people, difficult people, challenging people, you know, uh, just all the different, you name it, God saved one of them. And so uh, believers got to get good at that. I got to I got to just accept outright. I'm going to have some brothers and some sisters that are that's going to challenge me. And I might challenge some of my brothers and sisters, but God calls us to love. Amen. Know this about love. Love is always a choice. Love is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Love is a choice. You choose to love. That's how come you can have. I, I know some mothers with some jacked up kids. And I mean it. They're bad. Their kids are bad. Their kids do bad things. They bring bad things home. They, they create trouble. And that mom just love. I, that's a choice. I mean, she, you just have chosen. You wouldn't love anybody else that did that. But that's your son or your daughter, whoever you have chosen to love them. Uh, we want to choose to love. I, my heart's desire is that as we grow as a church is that we would be a loving church. I want people to come here. And I want them to experience the love of Christ through the body of Christ. I want Because love is active. I want people to hear and experience the love of God among his body. And so uh, Paul is thanking God for that about them. I do thank God for that among us. And I pray we would continue to be that kind of people. Now in verse four, he says, I also boast about you guys. First, I thank, verse three, I thank God for y'all for these things. But in verse four, I boast about you. I brag on you guys to other churches. Verse four, Paul says, so that, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God. And he's going to tell us why in just a moment. But I want you to think about that, right? For all the churches Paul was involved in, 
Paul says, man, I boast about you guys. I brag on y'all. When I go to other churches, I be like, man, y'all should see the Thessalonians, how they do it. Y'all should do it like they do it. You know, so he's bragging on them. So we should pay attention to this, right? This is the Apostle Paul. What is, what is the quality in the church that Paul would say, man, I would brag on that to other churches? Look at verse 4. He says, so we ourselves boast of you among other churches, number one, for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. For your patience and faith. So there's patience among you. There's faith in the midst of persecution. That means it ain't, it ain't all going great for them. In the midst of persecutions and tribulations. Remember when Paul was in Thessalonica, how come he was only there for three weeks? They chased him out. Right. This is a this is a hostile environment for believers. They're not friendly to Christians and Thessalonica. So Paul said, like, y'all are there. I'm gone. They ran me up out of here. But y'all are still here thriving as a church. But you guys are in a hostile environment and there are persecutions and tribulations that you guys endure with faith and patience. I brag on that. Why is that such a big deal? And I want y'all to hear me on this. It is a huge deal because some Christians are are easy to betray the Lord. Some believers, they like, they like the good stuff from God. God, give me salvation. Give me heaven. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And then a little bit of persecution comes. And you know what they do? They blame God. God, if you were so powerful, why? <laughs> God, if you love me, why? And I want you to know why this is wrong. Why as believers, we're called to endure challenges and persecutions. First of all, the, the tribulation and persecution don't come from God. They come from outside, right? It, 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 there's nowhere in the Bible where God promises you and I that we won't endure persecution. As a matter of fact, he promises us that we will. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Paul says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer, will suffer persecution. I mean, if you're trying to live for the Lord, guaranteed you're going to go through it. Jesus promised his disciples, he says, you, you guys, they hated me, they're going to hate you because you represent me. So, so be prepared for it. It's not gonna, they're not all going to love you. The world is not going to accept you. And so here, this church is in the midst of hardship, but, but because of their faith and patience, they're enduring it. They're just taking it, and they're continuing with the Lord. And they're not turning back on God. They're not blaming God. They're not getting mad at God. They're continuing. And Paul says, oh, I'm bragging on that. That's such a big deal. It's so important that believers know how to endure hardship, that we know how to take it on the chin and keep going, that we just accept it. God, this is, you could have prevented it, but you didn't. Therefore, there must be something in it for me. Your word promises all things are working together for the good of those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. So I'm going to eat this in Jesus' name. I'm going to believe that you got a plan in the midst of this, God, but I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to complain against you. I'm not going to blame you. Certainly, I'm not going to get mad at you and turn my back on you, which is what some people do. Know that Satan's intentions and hardship is to turn you away from God. And if you don't learn how to believe or how to, how to, how to endure with patience, then all Satan got to do is throw a little curveball and you'll be out the game. And, uh, and that happens. I've actually seen people discouraged out of the faith because of a season of hardship. And anybody here walk with the Lord for a number of years, you're going to have seasons of hardship. I've had seasons where it was glorious and I was seeing daffodils and butterflies and everything was going wonderful. And then I've had seasons where the bottom fell out and everything was going wrong. And I had adversaries and enemies and attacks and, and, and then it, it comes and it goes and it comes and it goes. And you got to just keep going through no matter what. My favorite 
You know, if I can give you a, a picture from the scripture, that's my favorite picture of patient endurance is Job. You guys remember Job, Satan, because the book of Job, God gives us kind of a, a, a insight into what was happening, right? In the unseen realm, God and Satan are talking. And God tells Satan, where you been? And Satan tells God, you know, I've been going back and forth in the world, doing what I do, you know? I'm paraphrasing, but if you go read Job 1, you'll find this is exactly what it's saying. And then, uh, and, and then God says to, Job, to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And bragged on, he bragged on Job. He says that there's none like him in all the world. Upright, blameless, fears God, shuns evil. Have you checked him out? And the word that God used was, have you studied him for war? Have you considered him? Satan says, evidently Satan had. Satan said, well, there's a hedge about him and all that he has on every side. But Job don't love you for nothing. He loves you only because you blessed him. Let me touch his stuff. He'll surely curse you to your face. God says, you're on. You can touch all this stuff, but you can't touch him. Gone, got my face. I paraphrase, um, right? And Satan wrecks havoc on Job, right? Wrecks havoc. I mean, Job was the richest man in his land, the land of us. He went to, from rich to broke in a day. And one after the other, people came back and said, oh, all your camels got killed, and I alone escaped to tell you. All the sheep got killed, I alone escaped to tell you. That was, that was basically your bank account just empty, 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 empty. And the last one, man, all, all your kids were feasting at the eldest brother's house. And the winds blew the house down and all your kids died. I alone escaped to tell you. And that's what Job got left with. And anybody here would know that's, that's a bad day. Amen? Those, that's horrific. That's it's unbearably difficult to even think of it. And what Satan wanted Job to do was to curse God, was to get mad at God, was to turn on God. But one of my favorite things in the whole Bible, the Bible says that Job tore his clothes and he sat down in a thing of ashes and he said, naked I came, naked I'll return. The Lord is given. The Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Y'all know that that's the opposite of cursing when you bless God. He didn't. He, I mean, it had to be the biggest in your face where God was like, I, I thought he was going to curse me. I thought he was going to curse me. <laughs> and he, he didn't curse him. He blessed him. He worshiped at that moment. That is, that's what we want to do when it gets rough. We got to say, God, everything I have comes from you anyway. I'm not, whatever, just worship him, thank him, bless him. Job is an example uh, of how to handle hardship. He didn't turn his back on God. He just he pressed through. Uh, and and, and I'll, I'll stop there, but, you know, Satan goes another round and touches his body and his sores and all this stuff. Job makes it out of this thing, and, and God gets the glory from his life. But as we come back to this, Paul says, I'm, I boast about you guys because of your patience and faith. And all your persecution and tribulations that you endure. Paul says, I know y'all are going through it. I know that you're being persecuted. And I know that you're going through tribulations. But y'all are enduring it like champs. And I'm proud of you guys. I boast about it. Can I encourage you guys? Maybe you're going through a season right now. Just endure it in Jesus' name. You're going to come out shining, you guys. It'll, it'll be okay afterwards. Um, you know, you, you got to endure it. You may have to go through it. God will, God will give purpose to your pain. There's, there's, there's never a time for a believer where there's not purpose. If God is allowing pain, there's purpose in your pain. All you got to do is go study your Bible. Right now, we're, we're in Genesis in the, in, the, in the reading. We're looking at Joseph. And Joseph had years of pain. 
His brothers hated him because of his visions that God gave him. They sold him into slavery and he became a slave and that was jacked up. And then he was the best slave and God was with him and he prospered in Potiphar's house and, and everything he did, God blessed him and he got the brought into the house. And then Potiphar's old nasty wife tried to get with him. And she, she cast her longing eyes on him and she, she caught him slipping in the house by himself and ran after him and snatched him by his robe. And it says that he ran out of the robe and just shook out of there and probably hurt her feelings, you know. So she accused him of rape. And uh, I, you know Potiphar didn't believe it because he would have killed him. But he said, you got to go to jail. And he put him in the jail. Now he's in the jail and he's blessed in the jail. We're so glad you decided to spend your time with us here today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of 2 Thessalonians. The church in Thessalonica was growing and becoming more mature in their faith. But that only seemed to encourage more false teachers and weapons of evil to be used against them. Paul knew he needed to write this letter to remind them of their foundation of faith in Christ and of Jesus' return someday. With their focus on that and that alone, they would endure and overcome the oppression and godlessness that surrounded them. Do you ever feel like the weapons of evil are aimed at you? It's no secret that we face the same adversity today that the early church faced. When you see the darkness around you, remember that you are not alone and that this is not the first time that evil has tried to win over good. Focus on Jesus' return and find the strength to go on. Still, we face this spiritual threat every day, and a spiritual threat requires spiritual weapons like prayer, praise, and worship. And we know just where you can find those, right here at A Transforming Word in Inglewood, California. Are you in our area? We'd love for you to come in and see us this Sunday. We meet at 9 and 11 a.m. For the rest of the information you need, head over to calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. And if you're not in the area, be sure to catch our live stream online this Sunday. Well, that's it for today. Don't forget to join us next time, right here on A Transforming Word.